of your eye, huddled in the darkest shadows of imagination, it waits. Now is the time to face the fear. Welcome to Horror Lasagna. Embrace the trepidation. Our season three, episode 10, sauna, and start off on a good note. We've got a bonus episode we're going to do, which is going to be very interesting, looking at Jordan Peele movies and comparing them. Yeah, it doesn't really necessarily have anything to do with the culture clash. Oh, Get Out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Us, yeah, Us and Get Out, it could fit easily. So could Nope, actually. I don't know if you watched it yet. I have not seen it yet. And I think... I was just like, yeah, let's do the bonus episode. And this seems, this is a topic you were passionate about. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't even thinking about the theme, but now you mentioned it. I, yeah, that's a hit. They do kind of, that's, what, that's why I brought it up and made me think of them. So we got that. And uh, unfortunately, we were both brain dead when you did your talk. So we don't have that as an episode to offer to people, even what clips or anything. I can't uh, believe I did that. Me too. I had the camera even. <laughs> I was going to record it and everything. Nope. But this is the last one, and then we get a whole new season. Just preview, what's season four's theme? Season four's theme is about jobs. Yay. The horrible things that may happen to you while you're at work. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's what we need. And I've been watching lots of horror Christmas movies, and I really had to dig down deep to find something that's good horror Christmas and something that's not a slasher horror Christmas. Oh, my God, there are so many of those. they're almost all bad. There's only a couple that are worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you're doing that research. For my brain, it makes sense. Horror movies and then Christmas movies. And in between, you have horror Christmas movies. And that that makes special sense. subgenre right there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making sure to mark all the ones that I can't stomach with one star. So when I look at my list, I can pull up the ones that are three star and above to watch next you're year. Starting a list, Steve. I've got it all in my media center. It's all organized in the digital media center. Uh, okay. so you can give them your own personal stars. Sure. So that way I can then filter it next year and just get the good ones. Because me being the hoarder family that I come from, it's hard to just get rid of something. Maybe I'll need it for some reason or watch it again. No, I'll probably never <laughs> watch some of these. <laughs> we'll hang on to those one star ones just in case. Just in case. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Whatever. But yeah, that's been my fun project, getting ready for actual Christmas movies, which I had to do the same thing to. So, oh my God, this Hallmark movie is just like the other 10. Same plot. Yeah, you're only going to end up with five. Right. Yeah, there's a few good Hallmark <laughs> and some of the other ones are good. I watched Dutch the other night with Ed O'Neill. It's a John Hughes movie, a good Thanksgiving one. So not horror related at all. <laughs> Okay, I, I would be very remiss before we get started as a podcaster, YouTube type personality, if I did not mention that <laughs> Steve is wearing merch, which is now available on the website. Yes, I am. We're putting a couple more shirts. You gave me some gooder images, and I haven't put them up yet. I've got them here, <laughs> and I'm going so, to be putting on the website too. People have asked us after your talk, and people like remote 
hey, what's some good movies to get started with? We talk about not all of them are recommended for everybody. Not all of them will fit. So you picked out a couple that are good starter movies. If somebody wants a horror movie that's not the blockbuster slashers or Freddy Krueger or whatever. So we'll get that list up too. So merchandise and list. And I also put our, in putting our seasons on a list in IMDb. So you can go to IMDb. I saw that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have that for season two and three, which I didn't get done yet, but we will. And you can check them out on IMDb and all the information. So yeah, I thought that. Yeah. We're like a, a little mini. I was also thinking we should find somebody, one of the actors or directors in one of these and get them on as a guest to talk about for a bonus episode or something. Oh, yeah, be, we can do that. Yeah, that'd be fun well, and cool. I say we could, but, you know, who knows hey, if you actually could. You know what? It's one of those things that people are like, oh, yeah, that won't happen. You just send a couple emails. You may send four and one of them may say, yeah, that'd be fun. Okay, great. But that's more than most people do. So Today's movie might not be a bad one to start with. Yeah, but I don't know if we'd understand them unless they speak English. Today we're talking about sauna. It's a hard movie to find. Am I right in saying that? Yes, it was, but it's now on Amazon Prime. Between the time we first started looking for it and now, it's available on there. It must, some contract, I'm sure. It's a Finnish film from 2008. It was an agreement between Finland and the Czech Republic. I don't know what the Czech Republic had to do with it, because this is... (laughs) very much a Finnish cultural piece. Yeah, yeah, very much. It has three different titles, in fact. The one that you will find it in English is called Sauna, but it also has been named Filth, and it has also been named Evil Rising, which I think is probably the cheesiest of all three titles. <laughs> yeah, but Sauna is very misleading, and you look at it, you're like, what the heck's that? <laughs> yeah. But it actually is a huge role in the story. Yeah. This movie was made with a budget of 930,000 euros. It's about $932,000. Wow. And it is a, a well-put-together quality film. Yeah, It doesn't look high school or college film class film or anything. It looks right. like any other movie. The lighting, the shots, the acting, it's all pretty yeah. top-notch. And it, We'll get into it more in detail in a second, but that's very important considering it's a period piece. Oh, yeah. Period pieces, if you're going to carry them off, they're going to cost quite a bit. Yeah, it's like 1590. You see that date, and the only time you see a horror movie that's in 1590 is it's a vampire movie. Vampire. And I'm like, yeah, we're not getting another vampire movie right now. I know that. The movie only pulled in $200,000 worldwide. Oh, that's not good. No, it, so it was not like a moneymaker for sure. But it was nominated for 11 awards and won five of them. Wow. It, yeah, it was an IFC film. We've seen a couple of those. IFC Midnight, yeah, but regular IFC titles, when you see that at the start of a horror movie, you're probably in for something that's pretty good. Yeah, it was definitely different. I mean, this one was harder for me to get into than most everything else we've watched, even some of the harder ones. It was not because of the subtitles, it was a slow moving plot and you had to pay attention to pick up what they were really talking about. Cause there were a couple of times I'm like, what is going on in this movie? I was waiting. The dread, the horror. It's very subtle all the way through the whole thing. Yes. This is a period piece. It, we're going to take a 
just a couple of minutes and we're going to do a little Finnish history. Oh, it was shot in Finland. Unlike uh, Midsummer, it takes place in Sweden, but it actually takes place in Romania where they shot it. This was shot in Finland. It deals with the uh, Russo-Swedish Wars at the end of the 16th century. It was a 25-year war. At the time, Finland was just an area. It wasn't its own kingdom. It was owned by Sweden. And it extended beyond the southern borders of Finland down into the Balkans. So it had Estonia and Latvia. That was all considered part of Finland. It was all considered under Sweden's rule. Okay. And there... I actually had a, I looked that up because I questioned the Sweden thing. It's a little early from what I found to be calling it Sweden. It was like in the 1600s that actually got designated Sweden. So it's a little early for that, but probably would have been more confusing, I'm assuming, for movie watchers. Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. All right. I'm jumping ahead again. No, it's fine. Russian sent troops in. There was a war. It took 25 years. This is like Um, our third or fourth war movie. Yeah. At the end of those 25 years, they signed a peace treaty and basically all the kingdoms in the Balkans, the Estonias, the Latvias, they all went to Russia. And then Russia said, we'll leave Finland alone. Now, Finland throughout time has been passed back and forth between Sweden and Russia, Sweden and Russia, up until the 20th century. And at the time, Russia had hold of it. And if you were a Finnish historian, I apologize for the abbreviated nonsense that's about to happen. But during the Russian Revolution, when the czars were defeated, the people of Russia got together and they were all at the time in that headspace of ruling people for the people by the people. And so they got together and they're like, you know what, Finland, you want to be on your own? You can be on your own. Yay. And Finland became its own sovereign nation. Oddly enough, a few years later, Stalin's in charge during World War II. And he's, no, I don't really like that. And so he sent in his own politicians into Finland and said, these are now the rulers of Finland. And the Finns did not like that, which started the winter war between Russia and Finland. Okay. During which the Finns started to run out of money and war supplies. And so Adolf Hitler said, hey, you know what? We don't like the Russians either. We'll give you guns if you keep attacking the Russians. And the Finns are like, give us the guns. (laughs) And so they were actually supplied by the Germans during World War II to attack Russia. When World War II was over and they were meeting out justice to all these kingdoms that helped the Nazis, Finland actually got away with next to nothing because every opportunity Finland had to fight against other allied powers, they refused. They wouldn't attack the Americans. They wouldn't attack the British. They wouldn't attack the French. The only people they were attacking were the Russians. Personal. Yeah. And so the war was over. Finland was its own place now. It's been its own place ever since. And it now has one of the highest GDPs per capita of anywhere in the world. Wow. It's in a very well-run, fiscally responsible country. We should take some notes. (laughs) (laughs) So this film was written by Lero Kutner and directed by A.J. Anila. He was born in 77 in Helsinki, and he directed 12 pieces since 1999 and that includes five television series but they're all finnish so you and i won't know 
any of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> then to make matters worse, you cannot find primary sources on this guy. There's no interviews with him about <laughs> any of the films he's done, especially not this one. What I did find doing research, though, is they call this period piece a war horror film, which is a subgenre, I suppose, I never really gave a whole lot of thought to. We, yeah. It would be a very small subgenre. There's not a whole lot of them out there, but they tend to be pretty good. Yeah. Okay, you know about the director saying can't find anything in them. Let me just ask you this. Have you ever seen this director and Spielberg in the same room together? Just saying. Uh, (laughs) It was pretty well liked by the critics. I did find one guy named David Nasser who works for Real Film Reviews. He says the film was an abominable, utterly worthless piece of work. So there's that. See, we need to see what other movies he did because we've said it before. A lot of these movies are not for everybody. You like horror. These aren't for everybody. It's really any movies like that. I understand, but these, especially if you're not into this type of movie, you're not going to enjoy it. And it is for me, it was a rough one and we've watched several. This film has been listed several times. I found it in lots of places as a great horror film for people who don't like horror films. If you like war movies, if you like perioded pieces, it'd probably be a good choice if you're trying to look at horror. There are not a ton of jump scares in this. Not um, at all. There's not a whole lot in the way of graphic nature, like gore or anything. There's some special effects here and there. At the end, mostly. Yeah. But it makes it for a kind of a gentle push into the horror film. But we'll get to that again here in just a second as well, because I want to mention the cast. And I'm only going to mention two members of the cast because they're all Finnish and you wouldn't know any of their work. <clears throat> However, Vila Vertinen plays Eric, and he's been in 110 pieces. Wow. And he started his career in 1966. Wow. So the older brother with the glasses is a lot older than he looks. Yeah. When they did this. Finnish have good uh, genes. Yes. Tommy Erinen plays Newt, and he's been in 63 projects dating back to 1993. Oh. Wow. So both of these guys are not strangers to film. Yeah, they're, they're A-listers, on, it seems. A or B-listers yes. in Finland. Yeah. The whole theme of the season has been culture clashes, and there are culture clashes involved in this movie because you have a culture clash between the Swedish and the Russians, and then you have the Finnish as almost a separate people in between. And that um, literally in this movie. But it's not just the cast that has the culture clash. There's a culture clash between us as the audience and the audience this was made for, which were Finnish people. It's funny you say that because I thought the same thing partway through. I'm like, okay, I know there's stuff I'm missing because I'm not from that culture. I don't live there. I don't know all the feelings, the thoughts, the tropes. What works for them could be totally different than what works for us. And I felt that was part of what I was not getting with this movie. And so the movie's not really made for a Western audience and it moves at a breakneck pace. Just like glides over pieces of history that are crazy complex that they've known since childhood. And the rest of us are all sitting there going, wait, there was a war in Finland between Sweden and Russia in the late 1600s. And then it's got this super heavy philosophical and religious bent to it. Yes. That makes it almost more of 
a debate than a yeah. movie. Yes. And on top of that, you've got that little bit of hints of psychological things. So is this real? Is this not real? Is it in their head only or not? And I love the metaphor with the swamp and the village being divided because it's like hitting you over the head with the message of the yes. war that they're trying to bring out. So it really has a lot in there, which probably also did not help being all of that in there from a different cultural viewpoint. And it's one of those things that I did find when I was doing research, there are a lot and a lot of papers and essays about this movie and about the various philosophy or religious questions that get thrown up there and people are like actually analyzing it and publishing it online. So if you do look online, if you look online for what did the movie sauna mean, you're not necessarily going to find the typical kind of answer that's A means B means C. What you're going to find is a bunch of philosophers going around and saying, what is the nature of our relationships with each other and the contact we make with each other? And how does that influence who we are going forward? Nice. Thinking about that, you know, this may be stretching, but I feel it's true. That's one of the things we've been doing for 30 some episodes is delving into horror movies that are more than just jump scares that there's been a lot deeper meaning and talk and things like that. And for people that enjoy that type of movie that don't usually watch horror movies because they think of Freddie and Jason and Michael and all that stuff, Insidious and whatever, Amityville, these are the movies to go for then because they're all, we don't talk about the horror half as much as we talk about the meaning and the psychological or that type of stuff within it. Yeah. And Honestly, every let's be fair. Every seven movies or so, we throw a hatchet in there, and just just to stay true to our roots, you got to do that because, like you've said many times, there's something in horror for everybody. And still, even then, there was a lot to talk about with Hatchet because of all the people that wanted to do it and the movies it led to and stuff. So there's a lot there. Even horror movies are never what they seem to be about. So one of those other cultural things we're going to address now is the concept of a sauna yeah i was just talking to my wife about this taskmaster which is a game show where you have a bunch of comedians competing it was very popular in great britain and it spread to other european countries and i found a copy of one season of taskmaster in norway which i thought was fascinating and then i because i've been doing this research so i go through and i look in norway is basically the size of the East Coast, right? It runs on one side of the peninsula and the Atlantic side of the peninsula and goes up and it actually wraps around and touches Sweden and Finland at the top. Then you have Sweden on the other side, which is the other side of the peninsula that has a bay. And then across the bay, you have Finland. And if you took all three of them together and dropped them in the United States, it would go from the East Coast to about the Mississippi River. Okay. Within that space, they speak three different languages norway nor norwegian swedish and finnish and you might think oh you got three different languages in like italian french and spanish but these languages are different enough that one of the games on taskmaster norway was they had someone who spoke finnish and norwegian on one side of the table and they put the contestants on the other who would trying to figure out information about the person on the other side the other person on the other side could understand what they said, but would only reply in Finnish. 
<laughs> and the Norwegians had no idea what they were saying. Wow. <laughs> it blows my mind how insular all of these places are. Right. And the cultures and the folklore behind them all are just completely different as well. The further you go. Well, so we, do, we do get that a little bit here. There are places down south. I can't understand the word they're saying when they really start going. Yeah, technically, they're still speaking your language. <laughs> can't prove that all the time. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Saunas are actually very culturally significant in Finland. They're ancient. They've been around forever. They're seen as a place not to just cleanse your body, but your mind and to achieve a sense of inner peace. They've been seen as sacred spaces, almost like a church in nature. And the steam has actually been seen as a spirit called loyli. According to old Finnic spirituality, people have three different parts to their soul. There's the itse, which is the yourself. There is the luanto, which is nature. And then there is loyli, which is represented as steam in a sauna. And that's the actual life force, the thing that keeps you alive. Wow. Okay. And so we have to take care of not just ourselves and our nature, but we also have to take care of our loyalty as well in order to continue to exist. It makes our hearts pump, it makes your blood flow and your bodies warm and so on. So it's not just a really cool place to hang out and sweat. It's actually got cultural significance behind it. And in the movie itself, when they come across the sauna, the Russians are like, why in the world is this here? And the Swedish guys who were from Finland are, like, you know, it's Finnish superstition. And all of the people in the town know there's something wrong with this sauna <laughs> and don't want anything to do with it. But they're a little um, mysterious, too. Honestly, I kept waiting for the town to disappear. <laughs> they do. Well, OK, yeah. But I like. Yeah. We'll get to um, that. Oh, yes, we will. So the movie opens like a lot of period pieces do. You have a map. There's a drop of blood running along, and it's representing drawing the borders of the new border between Russia and Sweden. And there's text spelling out across the bottom of it that's explaining to us that the Russo-Swedish War is over, and they had two sets of cartographers, one in the north and one in the south, and they were going to move down and map the new borders and then meet in the middle. But the group from the south never made it. They disappeared, and this is their story. Then we so happen to have a, a filmmaker that did make it. <laughs> yeah, so I say that because at one point I made a comment. I said, this is like the 1500s version of Blair Witch Project. Right. Because you're not exactly sure about the supernatural entities you're running against. Right. There's the Babbling River. It's the Katarma River. You see the water turn red. There's a package floating down the river. You're not really sure what it is. It's got fur. <laughs> it seems to be wrapped in some kind of skin and maybe a brooch. It floats against the ice and someone pulls it out. And it doesn't, it's, when it was in the water, I was like, is this a body? And you don't know how small it is until the hands reach in and pull it out. And it's actually not that big. When they pull it out and there's a document and lots of names written across it. And then there's this line on the side and the subtitles come up and tell us that it says border agreement and then it pans to another line of copy and it says we can be forgiven now what you're seeing here is this is 
a preview of the end of the movie. Right. So you can bear this in mind if you want. It was just setting the theme for the film because after this, it makes no no difference whether that scene was there or not. <laughs> right? It's that hook. You Which go is right good filmmaking. I, I, oh, yeah. We've, I've seen, I mentioned a few of those Christmas horrors. Just horrible film. <laughs> this is a good example of really good filmmaking that they employed in this piece. Yeah. It jumps right from there to the dark interior. You see the back of Eric and his hands going up and down. You hear squishing noises. It becomes evident that he is stabbing someone. You could sit there and say, well, maybe not. But no, the camera pans back and he is brutally, viciously stabbing a man over and over again. He's vaguely interrupted by his younger brother, Newt, who's not overly comfortable with the brutality that his brother's displaying. And the first words that Eric says are 73. And Newt's like, 73 what? And Eric ignores the question and says, this is what peace brings. The guy had an ax hidden. He was going to come for me. Then he was going to come for you. I just saved your life by killing this guy. <laughs> Newt mentions that the girl is locked in the basement. It's not really a basement. It's an outside fruit cellar type deal. But she's locked in there. Eric says he'll take care of her. He'll let her out. And then Newt says, well, there are people coming and there are lights on the ridge. And Eric tells Newt to go down and tell the people at the river they're in a hurry. So they need to leave. And he looks at his hand and there's this gash in his hand. <clears throat> and part of me thinks he got the gash here, but they never really explain it for sure. Yeah. I'm seeing it as like symbolic for the sin he just committed. Yeah, that's because it never healed. It almost right. seemed the lady worse. Best thing, right. Yeah. Out damn spot kind of deal. Uh, that's a big spot. Yeah. Just before the scene ends, you can see there's this typical Byzantium-style looking painted wooden icon. And Byzant you know, the Byzantine kingdom was long before this, but art moves very slowly <laughs> as it travels around back then. And this style was not uncommon for peasants to have. It was usually like the most expensive thing that you would have in your hut because it might have gold golden lay on it the paints involved to make blue were ridiculously expensive that kind of thing then we cut to the russians and the russians are sitting there and Semensky's sitting there he's the leader of the russians and he's telling the story of three craftsmen who built a city this leader wanted a city built and one craftsman's like we could make it out of gold and the other craftsman's like we could make it out of iron and then he asked the third one it's what should we make it out of and he's filth and he's like, what do you mean and here's like this big philosophical discussion that like blows up from here on in right the first question we came across was can we be forgiven here's the second one he says filth is the mark left when two things touch each other it's the very proof that things have touched and so filth is the material that all of our memories are made of That's and then deep. yeah and then rogerson the one captain is like what's the name of the city? And Semitsky's like, what's the name of your town? It's kind of like, ah, your house is made out of filth, kind of thing. <laughs> he has a young captain with him named Musco, and he's convinced that there are raiders riding in, and Semitsky's like, that's not raiders, it's something even worse, it's the Swedes. And so Eric and Newt and their party ride into camp, and they're like, we gotta go. It's Semitsky's a very like, easy alliance that they're both like, we got to do this, we know, but the, 
you get the feeling from both sides that we'd much prefer the war. Eric says it pretty much. Yes. And the Russian commander feels feels that way too. It's the younger ones that aren't quite as on board. Right. Musco, several times Eric tries to goad Musco into fighting. Yeah. And he won't do it. He's even drawn his sword like a couple times and Rogus and the other lieutenant is like, no, he's just goading you on. Just relax. But yeah, they are not nice to each other throughout this film. Yeah. And I love the th- thinking about it. Wow. In the 1500s, when they were trying to set where the borders were, how did they do that? Here you go. They literally took people from each side and rode along it and marked it on a map. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like, wow. Not that I ever would have really wanted to devote too much time to it, but it's one of those things that you never think about. It was so that right. was interesting. And the next scene actually shows you how they do it. They bring the peasants out and make them kneel before them and hold up a piece of dirt. And they're like, this side is going to be Sweden and this side's going to be Russia. Now kiss the book. And they like kiss the Bible. Yeah. They're doing this while they're doing this ceremony. There's this flashback thrown in there. And the flashback is throwing, showing us what happened back at the house where Eric brutally murdered that guy. They show up. There's, this guy has a young daughter. If I had to guess, I'd say 12 to 14, somewhere in there. It, yeah, it was hard to tell. Yeah. She's bringing them food. Newt, she's bringing food to Newt. He's looking at her. And then he's back at the ceremony and there's this voice whispering. And it says, come back. That's all the more of the flashback we're getting right now. Eric's trying to rush them along. Siminski wants to know what's the rush. And he says, homesickness. I just want to get going. Turns out it's not actually homesickness. Eric is just afraid that the gang of peasants who's chasing him for the brutal murders that he's committed will actually catch up with him at some point in time. So <laughs> the Spanish Inquisition, right? Yes. The villagers with the torches and pitchforks. Siminski, the next that night, the next scene is at night. Siminski has caught himself a moth and he's pinning it live into this collection full of insects. And Newt explains that. Siminski wants to have an animal or plant named after him by the time this is over. And it shows you Siminski's nature, right? He wants to classify everything. And the pinnacle of that would be to have something like called the Siminski or something like that. He's very orderly. He's into these are the rules kind of things. Right. Eric tells him not to get too close to him because Siminski is more dangerous than he looks. Newt gives him a cup of Russian tea, which he's never had before. And he, contemplates it and it's mostly he's contemplating it because eric loathes everything russian because he was 16 when the war started and for the past 25 years he's done nothing but fight russian it would be a hard shift to make and you also there's some of the culture clash we may be neighbors we may be done with the war but i don't have to like you and i'm not gonna even say this is good even if it's not or if it is yeah at this point, Newt informs Eric that he's been offered a position at Stockholm University. And he asks Eric if he's angry. And Eric's like, are you? Because I brought you out here for nothing. And Newt's like, oh, no, you didn't bring me out here for nothing. I'm, I'm mapping like some of the last unknown places in the kingdom of Sweden. I'll be able to give this to the king. This is important. So Newt has actually sees this as an opportunity for growth as a cartographer. The following day, they're talking about it. And... They're saying it'll take two days to cross the swamp. 
And the minute they said that, he, he said, see you in two days. I'm like, yep, no, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> There's a horror trope that is the same across cultures. <laughs> yeah. There's this little thing. Musco speaks in Russian to Rogerson as he's looking at the map. And Rogerson translates. And he says that the map is the most beautiful map he's ever seen. And he's congratulating Newt on his abilities. This is a very subtle point that becomes super important later. Siminski's like, the swamp's unpopulated. Why don't we just draw the line straight through it? We'll go around. And Eric's, no, we're supposed to go through it and actually mark it. And if you don't want to, then we'll just call the whole thing Swedish. And you can just seed the whole thing. I'm ready to shake on it right now. Siminski won't do that. But it turns out the whole reason Eric wants to do that is that the horses can't go through the swamp. So everyone else is going to take the horses and go around the swamp. And Eric and Newt and Siminski and his two officers are going to go through it. So if the peasants who are hunting them down are tracking them, they will follow the horses around the swamp and those guys will be safe in the middle. That's the plan. Yeah, that's the plan. But that kind of shows you Eric's whole mindset. He's constantly thinking about how to stay alive. Yeah, I've committed these atrocities. I don't care. No one's going to catch me on this kind of thing. The other super interesting thing for me, and I've been chewing on this for a while, you notice it right away. Eric wears eyeglasses. I marked that down too. Go ahead. And eyeglasses, over-the-nose eyeglasses, did not come into vogue until the 17th century, which would make the ones he's wearing like prototypes. Like, And so I've been chewing over why he has them and from a story standpoint it's very interesting because a lot of the story of eric throughout this is i'm a soldier i've always been a soldier what does a soldier do once war is over and what does a soldier do once he's too old to fight anymore and the glasses are a constant reminder for him that he's too old to keep doing this because without them, he can't see. There's one or two little things where he says, oh, I can't see that. But then there's that little bit at the end when he's talking about his brother and the light reflecting on the glasses. That's like the only parts in the movie that really needed the glasses. And even that's arguable. And I looked it up too. I was like, oh, come on. But glasses have been around since the 1200s. I'm like, wow, that's, I would have lost that in a game of timeline. (laughs) Right, absolutely. Yeah, they just they didn't come into vogue until the 17th century, so that would make his super early, but they still had them. Monks typically had them, and I guess they were like super bulky because the glass was really thick. Yeah, like my but, dad's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So they set out across this marshy area. Newt hears this whisper over his shoulder, and it's the girl's voice saying, come back. And now we have another flashback to that night. And the girl, the peasant daughter, is carrying this bucket to the sauna where they're in there cleaning themselves. She stops and focuses on Eric's glasses. And this is another thing that I think is very interesting. They're very well made. They're very pretty. They draw the eye of the innocent. So, like, she's very interested in them. The boy from the village is very interested in them. And it's super ironic considering the person who's wearing them is so ruthless and so dangerous that's true yeah 
while she's there, she looks through the cracks in the wall at the two guys in the sauna getting clean. Eric's complaining about getting older, and he's complaining about his glasses and how he can't see anything without them. And then there's this half a scene where Newt turns, and it's actually super important because we can see he's got a birthmark in between his shoulder blades. It reminds me of the Rebel Alliance symbol. A little bit. Yeah, I can see that. And Um, for those that want the equality, all the nudity in this movie is men. So you're not getting lots of nude women. So there you go. Some equality. (laughs) Yeah. Eric notes that the girl's out there, but she runs off. And then Newt is starting to wonder out loud, hey, what do you think happened to the wife of this guy? And then it jumps a little further to where she's bringing the bowl. And there's this kind of glance between Newt and the daughter. Again, she's very young. For supper, the peasant has provided them with this large round roll of bread. Eric seems quite upset by it. And then he notes that there's this rack. And he's, what was on the rack? And the peasant's, I don't remember. Newt's just sitting there eating. Eric gets up and asks if the people in the village are happy now that they've been liberated from the Russians. And the peasant's like, yes, we are so happy. Then Eric claims he remembers what the rack is for, and he rips it off the wall. And he accuses the man of having hidden family icons. Again, they would have been worth a lot of money. And both sides are trying to recoup funds here. So it would not be uncommon for soldiers to seize these kind of things or for a peasant to have hidden them. The peasant goes for Eric. Newt grabs him. But Eric lightning fast grabs the daughter pins her to the table and puts a dagger up to her eye and he says he's been fighting this war since he was 16 and it's been called off because it's too gruesome he swears the girl wouldn't be the most innocent victim of his newt is appalled by what he's seeing take place right here he then asks where the hidden larder is and so the peasant takes them out to the hidden larder where all the good food is he puts the girl in there and the main thing was that the food the guy was pro- was providing him for dinner was not the quality he wanted. So he, he claims. He, yeah, he knew the guy had better. And so this is his way of finding where the better is. He takes it all. Um, Newt's still trying to be a good guy. He's, You'll get a receipt for all this. And, like, and the peasants even, yeah, I'd get a receipt from the devil. Then he goes upstairs and leaves Newt with his daughter down there. And Newt starts to apologize to her, too. He's like, look, all the men are tired. They're hungry. He kind of walks her into the corner and looks like he's going to kiss her. And she reacts like a little kid. She just covers up her face. And suddenly it dawns on him. He's like, what the hell am I doing? And so he leaves and locks the door. And she's like, why? And he's like, you're locked in here because my brother is in a very unpredictable mood right now. And you'd be safer down here. Then he sees lights coming over the ridge and decides he's going to go tell Eric about it. This is when the movie started and we find that Eric's actually killed the guy. Now we're back to the present and Newt is in the swamp and looking at his compass and the compass is just swirling around, which is never a good sign. Never a good sign. Always used. I've used a lot of compasses in my time. I've never seen one do that. No, not, not, not randomly. And if it did, I'd probably run the other way. Yeah. These swamps reminded me of the dead swamps from Tolkien. It, just especially when he's playing with the water and stuff. And I'm just like, oh, man, I'm it reminded me of it, too, because they talk about all the people he's killed. 
in the 73 and I'm thinking he's seeing the reflections of the dead bodies and reflections of his life. And that's where the glasses come in with that reflection thing too later. Yeah. Yeah. Newt seems completely lost. Uh, he looks in the distance and sees what looks like a young girl in a white dress and the dress is dirty at the bottom. It's got filth on it. And she's got her hands over her face, just like the girl did down in the basement. There's no question that she is an analog for the peasant daughter who was left behind. And Eric is at a pool facing his own demons. You can look through the reflection and there's bodies in the water. He reaches down and stirs the water and there's nothing there. So yeah, there's this whole reflection of your sins coming back to haunt you. And again, are they really seeing this stuff or is it really there or not? Is it just them? It makes, it's one of those movies. There's a, not quite as much as some, but a little bit of questioning the reality of it up and up to a point yes yeah yeah eric unwraps his hand to clean it it looks just as bad as when it happened again there's that scar of the sin he just committed samitsky comes over and this is when we find out that both eric and newt were born in finland so they're finnish but they've embraced their swedish nationality they've turned their back on their finnish uprisings he asks him what kind of flower it is, and Eric says it's a sauna flower. Now, um, with that, I, I, even throughout the movie, I couldn't figure out what the connection was between the sauna and the flower sauna, and why they brought that up and said it was common. I maybe I missed something there, but I. So Staminsky's constantly looking to have something named after him. Uh, yeah. And so he's here, and he finds this flower that he finds thinks is very attractive and he's thinking maybe this is it maybe this could become the Saminsky flower and it turns out no this flower is older than you the culture is older than you it's a sauna flower which is something that predates most known settlements in the area which also shows the people coming in and taking over another people and land and oh, I'm go name these things that are undiscovered no the people that were here knew them and had names for them yeah so. Yeah, they're discovered, just right. not by you. We see this, there's this scene where Musco and Rogerson are standing there, and Rogerson seems to walk off into the woods a little bit. And then we jump back to Newt, and he still sees the figure of the peasant girl in the distance. And he's like keeping his eye on her, and he walks around this tree, and when he turns the corner, she's like way closer. Never a and good now, sign. <laughs> yeah. Now he just turns and scarpers. He's running off he comes back and he finds rogerson ceiling kneeling on the ground and he gets up and he's got this weird look on his face because typically he's like this kind of i don't want to say oafish character because he's not big but he doesn't come across as smart a lot of times throughout this movie but he walks over and he asks him about fire and he says can't you purge things with fire purges anything and Newt's like, yeah and he's but what if hell isn't a place underneath our feet that's fiery and flaming? What if hell is just a place of utter filth that God can't see? And all of a sudden, boom, there's a whole nother philosophical discussion right there <laughs> yeah. happening. Because if you consider their definition of filth is anytime anything meets, it's what makes up all of mankind's memory. Maybe hell is just your own memories without the light of God shining down on it. Which I'm sure it's, West 
Craven and Clive Barker both would agree. They're like, yeah, it's it is a very heavy little scene that is just thrown there in the middle. And I think that's one of the things I enjoy about this movie is they have all of these things that just seems like a little deal. But when you stop and think about what they're saying, you're like, wait a second, there's a whole lot to unpack there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely got layers to the movie. Yeah. Like a lasagna. Ah! Newt gets a moment alone with Eric, and he's, do you see if there's, is that, you see a person standing out there, and Eric's, I can't see that far. And Newt's, it's the farmer's daughter. And Eric says, that's impossible. And if you're watching for the first time, you're like, oh, no. We know why it's impossible. Newt wonders why. And that that um, right there, when he said that, and I was thinking, this just shows again, what's horrific? The things that are horrible in the movie are the people. Because right. how many times is it the people doing the really horrible things or as horrible as the supernatural elements? Yeah. They keep moving forward. They find a wolf. It has clawed its own eyes out. And Siminski calls Newt over to ask him if he's ever seen such a thing. And Newt's like, no. I guess because he's Finnish, maybe Siminski thinks this is just something that wolves do in Finland. <laughs> I don't know. but <laughs> Well, its eyes are out. It must be a Finnish wolf. <laughs> yeah. This leaves Eric with Rogerson and Musco. And Eric is pushing Musco a lot. And Musco pulls his blade out. And Rogerson put it away, put it away. And the first one is that he's talking about Russian Orthodox and how they're not even really Christian. They're just ridiculous people. That's the first one he draws his sword on. Then he's, look, Musco's just upset because he's too young to have actually fought in the war and he didn't get a chance to prove his manhood and to hang out and be gay. And I know you like my brother, but he's not gay. And that's when he draws his sword the second time. So there's a whole um, other aspect into the movie that he's right now. <laughs> and it ties back to the whole thing where Musco's like, I've never seen a more beautiful map kind of thing. Right. Then Sumiski comes over and he's like, tells Eric, the glasses make you almost seem civilized, but you're actually just an old invalid afraid of peace. And this will take away your right to do all the murderous things that are in your heart. And that is a perfect encapsulation of who Eric actually is. Yeah. They're moving through the swamp. Some of the pages of newts get blown away. He goes over to collect them all. One's gone quite far. And he goes over to pick it up. And when he looks up, there's the farmer's daughter standing there. She's covered in black slime. He runs away and loses his footing and starts to fall down this short embankment that would have dropped him in the water. Which, I guess, as a cartographer, that could be very disastrous. <laughs> yeah, especially with the paper and stuff then. <laughs> yeah. But Musco is there and catches him and helps him up and is holding him, helping him to his feet. Eric sees this happen and calls Newt away. And then Newt's like, I saw the girl. She was as close to me as you are. Eric's like, it's not the same girl. And at this point, he's I know it's not the same girl because I never let her out. Which, on the one hand, I was relieved because I was like, he just went down and ra raped and killed, and killed her. her. Yeah. But then it's, oh, wait, he didn't. Oh, wait, he just left her locked up. How long have they been gone? Which is more horrible, actually. Newt is, we've got to turn around. We've got to go let her out. And Eric's, the Russians wouldn't agree with that. And it's, as soon as we get to the city, I'm going to go find her. And as he's walking away from this conversation, 
he sees in the middle of this swamp, there's a sauna built. It squats. It's ugly. It's isolated from everything. And it's just sitting there all by itself. Everyone seems a little like, what in the world? Rogerson seems, there's a moment where Rogerson seems very interested in the sauna too. But it doesn't come into play till later. Eric sees a structure through the trees and they go to find, go to see what the structure is and it's an entire village. They're walking through and there's these women, they're just working and they like look up and see that soldiers are walking in their village and they're like, yeah, they keep <laughs> doing what that, they're doing. Got the t-shirt. Yeah. And this boy comes up to them and Eric notices that the boy's looking at the glasses and he says, who's in charge? And the boy says, father, and Eric's go get him. So the boy runs off, and then one of the villagers asks if the war is still going on in the south, and Samisky says, no, the war is long over. We're a commission of the Emperor of Russia and the King of Sweden. Turns out there's no record of this town having ever existed, and they're like, it's in the center of the swamp, and it has no name. This really upsets Newt because he thought they were on the northern edge of the swamp. He thought they had crossed it. Yeah. And here they're actually right in the middle. Another and bad sign. Appearing right. villages and you're wandering around in a remote area that nobody has mapped before. Those are all bad signs. Yes. And he's sitting there after the next scene looking at his map. He's trying to figure out what's where did he go wrong. And the boy comes in and he's looking over the through the window and he's like, what is it? And it's, it's a map. It's how God sees the earth. There's also notes on the side that says how, who lives where, how many people live there, who collected taxes there in the past, and whether they are Russian or Swedish now. It, it just, boy, it, that, that part is, to me, obviously, seems weird that they were Russian, now they're Swedish, now we're going to tax them, but you were taxing them before, and now we're going to switch it again, and here they end up later splitting the town down the middle. It's, yeah. We've got a town like that in America, but it's Oh, yeah, I live on the Swedish side of the town, but across the road, all they need to do is put a Berlin wall up down through the swamp. It, it, it just seems a little weird, but politics. The wall would cost more than the whole village is worth. The boy comes in, and we find out the boy has only ever lived in the village, and he's taking Eric's clothes off the rafters, and Eric comes in and assumes he's stealing. I don't know why he'd assume that, because Newt is sitting right there. It's not like Newt's just going to let the kids steal his clothes. Not like the kid's trying to sneak it. He's just standing right out in the open doing it. Yeah. Eric reaches back to smash, smack the boy, who recoils and then runs off. And Eric's like, strange boy. And Newt replies, not for this village. Yeah, that was a good line. Then he notes how clean all the peasants are. They're all so clean. So Which Eric goes out. It is interesting because. I read once that some paper studied, blah, 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 whatever, that during the Dark Ages, that they were actually much cleaner than we've always said or given them credit for, that it was actually a high priority for them. And they'd sometimes bathe several times a day. We always picture them as fit, but they weren't. And other things like the Vikings, how they were actually very colorful, not just the earth tones that we right. always put them in. So I do like. Things like this and other movies that sometimes show things differently because it brings out what it may really be. And dinosaurs with feathers. We didn't grow up with dinosaurs with feathers. No. So it's just things are changing, but 
I think that's one of the things movies do sometimes if they do it right is bring these things out that are different. So the villagers being clean may just be real. Yeah. And it's also really interesting to me because Eric and Newt are both like members of the aristocracy. They're not like dukes or anything like that because Newt wants to own his own land, but they come from an entitled family. There's a small family. And so a lot of times I believe those people thought that the peasants who they never ever saw who lived out in sticks were just filthy mud balls. And so it was just an assumption they made. Yeah. Eric's going to teach at university or Newt's going to teach at university. Yeah. Very prestigious. And I thought that was another thing that kind of hit me as wow, 1500s. And they're talking about a school university learning again. It's, it just struck me as it doesn't always enter our learning in school, how these things actually were and where they were in time and all that. Yeah. It's funny because I took a lot of classes in the Renaissance and the Middle Ages for art history. And so every time I hear these dates, I'm always, because I took like an entire semester just on the Italian Renaissance, I'm always tying them back to what were they doing in Italy at this time? And so by this time, the Renaissance was over in Italy, but it had, it still was going on because it migrated again. It went north and it was going on in the northern climes while they were heading into Rococo, the Enlightenment down towards Italy. So I I sometimes will do that with music history because I had Mm -hmm. to go through that, except for stuff with opera. I literally fell asleep with opera. (laughs) Wow. No offense, Ian. Didn't do too well with that one. Eric's washing off his hand. There's this little jump scare because Newt was actually bathing at the same time and he like pops up out of the water. Um, and it's I'm floored by that because it's so cold. You can see the steam coming off of it, <laughs> climbing out of there. Yeah. If I was a peasant there, I would be filthy as well. If that's what it took. To be <laughs> exactly. And it never is really that sunny. It's gray overcast the entire time. It's really funny to me because the entire time they're walking, all the scenery here makes me think of here. It's <laughs> yeah. overcast, it's forested, it's marshy. It could just literally be down the street at the public hunting grounds. Yeah, That's true. exactly what it looks like back there. Yeah, yeah, you're um, right. Newt insists he's got to go back and save this girl. And Eric's insisting we don't. All the lives that were lost in the Russo-Swedish War will be for nothing if they give away any territory to Russia at this point. And Newt's like, making a border is not about justifying lost lives. Those lives are lost. No matter what we do here isn't going to bring them. The wound on Eric's hand seems to be bothering him even more. And he's taken his glasses off, and now he realizes how blind he is without them. He's like too old to practice the one profession he knows. He just wants land of his own and to be a better father than they had. Then he puts on his glasses and he says 73 again. He says, I've done far worse than leave a girl in the cellar. Newt still insists he's headed back, but Eric points out that you work for the king and when you do, you forget things. Newt reminds him, you're the one who killed the girl's father. And Eric's, I was saving our lives. He had an axe. You saw the axe, right? And he's like, no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, they're stressed out a little bit now. They're starting yeah. to go at each other a little bit. There is. And there's this kind of PTSD thing going on with Eric. Where at first, I thought he was just justifying it. But 
maybe he actually did think the guy had an axe, or maybe that's just a story he made up. Yeah, it's not clear, but it obviously, as the movie has progressed, and that he does have a certain level of guilt about what he's done because he brings it up a lot. Uh, it's yeah. not as, oh, I just forgot about it because I had to do it type of thing, which he portrays, but he really is. It's ruminating in his mind constantly and it's eating at him as he's yeah. getting through the movie. And as this eats at him, locking the girl in the cellar eats at Newt. So they both have something in their conscience that's weighing them down. It's kind of like that one thing will absolve them of all the other past problems and crimes. And that'll be the end of the war type thing. It's this one act will make a difference. And that becomes super important. Rogerson is out in the swamp. He's looking at the sauna. He can't seem to stay away from it. He's getting closer to it. He hears this singing. And he asks if it's his mother, which would be an odd thing for your mom to suddenly be in a sauna in the middle of the swamp in Finland when you're Russian. Yeah, he ate some bad berries somewhere. He's losing it. The only thing that keeps him from going into the sauna is Musko shows up and like, Siminski's looking for you. We've got food. And so he leaves. Siminski is questioning the people who they pay taxes to. And they're like, no one's ever come to get any. So he's still trying to figure out who they are. They're like, are you Lutheran or Russian Orthodox? And the elder is sitting there and he's like, we don't have a church and we don't have a priest to decide that for us. Newt says, who does the sauna belong to and who built it? And the village, the people from the village look at him. But before they can ask that, Eric just flat out asks them, are you Russian or Swedish? And the village elders like, maybe it's easier if you gentlemen decide. <laughs> just tell us. We don't Just care. tell us. We just want to be left alone. So they're supposed to put down how many villagers were in, the, how many people were in the village. They write it down on a piece of paper and hand it to Eric. And he looks at it and he's like, 73 people. <laughs> yeah, that's a coincidence. So here again, what is real, what's not? Does all this really exist? Is all this really happening? There's a little bit of questioning there. And then the village elder points out, that includes children, women, and old ones and all, which is, yes, you have killed 73 people, and we are, like, all represented, all of the children. Granted, you haven't killed that many children. There's only one child here. Lots of women are here in town, and Eric does not miss the significance of that number. He recognizes that something is up. His jaw drops. He looks at his brother. That's very yeah. obvious. Something's bothering him there. And then Newt. That's an awful lot of people. <laughs> oh, brother. The boy brings some food to Eric, and Eric asks, are, where are the other children? And the boy's like, there aren't any. It's just me. Then he closes the door, trapping the boy inside. He's got his dagger in his hand, and it's looking ominous kind of thing. But he, he's... I don't want to say he's being nice, because he's not, because he's definitely just using his position but he's taking it from peaceful tact. He's not like threatening with the knife. He's, if you give me any information about how long you've been here or the people have been here, I will make you an official of the King of Sweden. Can't get any more official than that. The boys, I will give you information if you you take me with you when you leave. He's done. So the boy takes him to a shed where these old papers are kept. Going into the shed, it's almost like a storage unit. Yes, it was weird. It's like nobody went to it. It was locked up. It reminded me of that hut off in the distance in midsummer that they referred yeah. to. So yeah. 
I was waiting for other major significance with this. I don't think it, it did as much as I was expecting. But well, you mentioned the distant hut in midsummer because both of these structures end up burnt. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting too. Yeah. Okay, so I guess there's two tropes now that we've got. Newt finds a book. It's written in Russian. They can't read it. There's this kneeling figure with its head bowed, buried under a blanket. It's a statue. Eric's, we need to talk to the village elder. We don't want Saminsky to know this book's here because Eric doesn't want there to be any sign of this ever being a Russian colony. He wants this to be finished. So he sends Newt out to find the elder and he's flipping through. There's a bunch of painted icons and he's flipping through them. And then he comes across this one that seems very out of place. It is of a hooded figure with no face and its arms are up, not like elevated over its head, but they're like up almost like it's about to do something. And it strikes him so odd that he takes his glasses off to see if they're fogged up or something. Maybe that would explain why this you know, almost demonic looking icon is here amidst all the rest of these. Just as he's doing that, Newt returns with the village elder, but it's not the actual village elder, it's just another one of the old people from the village. The guy comes in, he's like, I don't know anything about anything that's in here. So Newt and Eric step out and lock the guy in the shed. <laughs> yeah, sure. When you're ready to tell us stuff, then we'll listen. The guy's quite upset that he's in there. So he does seem to know more, but he doesn't want to let on or say. Right. Yeah. Eric suspects that the people here were Russian monks. And the guy in the hut's like, when we arrived, the only thing left of people were robes scattered across the ground. Some people think that the people abandoned their faith. Other people think they were taken away. Newt's like, who did you think were taking the monks away? And at this point in time, we get a picture of that figure with its arms up and its head bowed, and it seems to start to cry the same black ichor that was on the feet and the dress of the ghost of the girl that's been chasing Newt this whole time. The filth. Yes, the filth. I don't know why I don't use that word. It is like one of the titles of the movie. I should just put filth in my notes. The camera closes in on this icon of this hooded figure, and then there's interspersed shots of the sauna standing alone. There's a voice whispering, it's me. The old man starts to scream. There's this whispering, singing thing going on. Then Eric kicks the door open, and everything stops. And the man's lying there dead. He's got blood running out, rushing out of his mouth. <clears throat> Eric grabs a torch. Newt's like, eh, another dead body. Grabs the guy and starts dragging him out the door. And the statue still has that filth running down from its eyes. Eric just burns the building to the ground. Yeah. Well, what you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll attract attention. And the Russians might question what you're doing. You well, know. people do approach. It's burning. Newt actually accuses Eric. He's like, this will end badly for us just because you left that girl in the cellar. And Eric's like, why did you lock her up? And Newt's like, it was to protect her from you. And then Eric points out, no, you were lusting after her. Um, you were about to rape this girl. <clears throat> and Newt actually starts to tear up. Yeah. Because while he was down there in the cellar, those kind of thoughts were occurring to him. And then he realized that they were occurring and he stopped. But now his brother's calling him out on it. And he realizes, yes, maybe I'm a horrible person. And then Eric's, is it really safe for you to go and let her out? with that running around in your mind. 
at this point we find out that this strange boy in the village is actually a girl it just comes up in conversation because yeah. the village elder is like have you seen our daughter and he's daughter and he's like yes because she was the only one in the village sometimes she dresses up as a boy we just let her do what she wants because she's the only one here so it turns out that the boy is actually a girl and i'm trying to chew through the significance of that i was trying to wonder that too i couldn't but that was one of the things i was like okay why and place it so on the one hand i think it's interesting the fact that Eric treats them both the same way. Regardless of gender, it makes no difference at all to him. Right. He will treat them as a means to an end. There's something to be used. And gender makes no difference to him on that. On the other hand, I don't know. I, I chewed over that a bit. Newt goes looking for Siminski to translate the book. And he opens the door to the hut where Siminski should be, and it's just blackness. And this hand reaches out this kind of gray, dead-looking hand, it opens his mouth, and then it puts something in his mouth, almost like the Eucharist, right? It's oh, like he's yeah. taking communion. Yeah. The hands withdraw, and then this face leans in. You can see Newt's eyes are just closed, and it whispers into his ear. And then it disappears, and Musco and Samiski show up, and they look at Newton. And Newton. They look at Newt. <laughs> Newt, we need to save our souls. And he spits out what's in his mouth, and it was a tooth. He gives the book to Siminski because it's in Russian. Siminski decides to put the border straight through the middle of the village. The sauna will make the official edge. They'll put Russian marks on one side and Swedish marks on the other. And then the village elders like, wait, come with me, just Siminski and Eric. And he takes them to this building where there's all these sick villagers. And this is where you have the souls thing pop up. They're lying in beds. They're suffering with various sicknesses, illnesses, but none of them die. The children in the village, the one child in the village was born on the way to the village. And Siminski's, what is that a big deal of? And Eric's, it's a superstition. When Finnish people have a child that's born, the newborn is taken into a sauna. And the steam of the sauna washes away your previous sins and all the sins you will commit in the future. It's not unlike like baptism in a way. And so that boy slash girl is not been purified of all the sins of her past. And very significant that there's been no other children born. And this kid's 12, maybe. Yeah. Uh, there's been nobody. But nobody's died. They're all kind of lingering. Right. They won't die. They're just sitting here. It cuts to Newt outside. He sees this trail of papers that leads off between these two houses. He walks over and he follows them. And inside the building, among all these papers, is a dead Rogason. He's got all of these papers. <laughs> I hate when it. you just have a dead Rogason lying around. You got to get yeah. rid of it again. And I've got three or four. I really need to cut back. <laughs> Back in the sick house, Eric finds this man who dug his own eyes out, and he asks why, and this nurse looks at him and doesn't really answer him. But she says before that, he chewed off his tongue in his hand. Newt comes up and finds Siminski and lets him know that Rogerson is dead. And the guy with the eyes, I was like, yes. okay, now obviously we had the wolf earlier further away. 
I couldn't quite figure out what they were trying to say with finding the wolf earlier. Just portent that this was coming or what the significance was that the wolf obviously had been here and got away or something. I wasn't sure on that one either. Yeah, so the villagers, it turns out, were Finnish. And they were sick of being hassled by people. And so they moved into the swamp. And they found this place where the monks had set up, but the monks were all gone, leaving nothing but their clothes behind. And ever since they've been here, no one's died. They just continue to suffer as they were. There happened to be 73 of them, the exact number of people that Eric has killed. I think that if you take an entire village, you may have a person who, not unlike a wolf, is very attuned to nature and their surroundings. And being that close to the sauna, which is actually the source of ancient evil, something caused both the wolf and like this guy to become unbalanced. And see what you just said. One of the things I started thinking of is did Eric's conscience guiltiness create the village? Like you said, they're all like the, he, all the people he killed, they, the, their souls went to the village to condemn him later in life or his being guilty kept the village there, kept it alive. And, that's a really interesting point because my first thought was these are the souls of all the people he's killed. Yeah. But then the majority of those 73 have to have been soldiers because he was a cavalryman in war. Right. And there's not that many soldier aged men in this village. It's a soul. So it doesn't have to have the same physical manifestation. Perhaps, or maybe the people have been trapped here until someone who has the weight of 73 souls on his head shows up and that's what releases them for good or ill at the end of the movie this could be a really good rpg sounds like a good campaign oh yeah this would be a great yeah (laughs) this would be uh silent hill 1595 oh wow man why isn't somebody on this (laughs) yeah um it turns out Rogerson had written all over these papers in, with his own blood. And Eric wants to know what it says. And he's, it says he thinks he's a small, locked in a cellar like he's a small child. There's food in the cellar, even something to drink. But Rogerson drinks his own blood because he's afraid. And Eric's, what's he afraid of? And Sminsky's, like, there's someone in the cellar with him. And so that kind of, okay, this is no longer just something in their head. Right. There's definitely. If this was your guilt, it has expanded. It, it, to me, it's like a Twilight Zone or they've entered the quantum realm and they're in like literally like a whole different universe. They just don't realize it. They crossed over. Yeah. Yeah. He informs Newt the next day that the book was written by the monks who used to live here. They found this sauna long before they set up their church. So the sauna predates the church. And they seem to think that the sauna could wash away their sins without prayers, without confession. That's they what think we all only, want. They think it only appears to be a sauna because they can't understand what it really is. And especially at that time, that's sacrilege. There is only one way to achieve your sins being washed away. And you can't just do it on your own by going into a sauna. That, again, this would be a great RPG. <laughs> Yeah, this is one of the other things that I find, as an aside, looking at Finnish culture, everybody knows 
about like Norwegian and Swedish culture because you're talking about Thor and Odin and the Vikings and all that. The Finns had their own mythology. They had their own people. And like, the, I'm going to slaughter this, but Vinamoinen was like the head of their, of the, of like their pantheon. And the life force of the sauna that loyally has been called the sweat of Vinamoinen. Again, really sorry for that. But that's how entwined this is. This is a place that had like its own gods long before Christianity and they're gods that nobody really knows anything about except the Finn. And it's not uncommon in horror or mythology to have some sacred place that's corrupted because of an evil act. It could also be something that was holy and predates. Yeah. It was holy to a different group. And if you're going to walk in there with your Christian views, it's not going to end well for you. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah. I, again, it's some of the different layers of the movie. Yeah. Eric is talking to the nurse and he's like, why are the people in the village scared of the sauna? And she doesn't answer that. She's like, why are you wearing glasses? And he's like, well, they reflect light differently and I can see better. And I got them from my brother. And he was really like the best of us. He was the best of the whole family. And he's, it's, he's important. And she's, you need to take care of him because darkness doesn't reflect light. It absorbs it. Interspersed with this scene, we see Newt is walking into the swamp and he is walking into the sauna. So it's too late to save him. Poor Newt. Yeah. And um, I was like, man, you got to walk through waist high, freezing cold, yucky swamp water to get to the sauna to wash your sins. You got to be committed. Yeah, it's true. Before, he, before we get to him being in it, you have Eric who's looking at the wound on his hand. He's asking the nurse about it. And she says the best place to heal that wound is to go back to where you got it. And so all of this, again, kind of leads back to it's Eric's life and actions that created the village that corrupted the sauna that is causing all of this to happen. That's, that's what I started to think. I, it wasn't very clear to me, but that was the direction my brain was taking with all of this. Yeah. Now, Newt goes into the sauna, and the first thing I notice is that when he goes in, it's all black. He's got this torch, but it seems way bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. Yeah, it's a portal to another realm. <laughs> yes, it goes in from quite a ways. It's As a sauna it of in, infinite holding. <laughs> yes. He walks in, and he sees a figure, hands covering the face. It's the peasant girl, but... She's not wearing a dress anymore. It could have been a weeping angel. She takes her hands away from her face and her face is literally just running filth. Yeah. And she's like, why didn't you come back for me? And he's like, is it too late? And then she gives him the embrace of a spirit that's going to uh, consume your soul, yep. which is kind of what happens. <laughs> yeah. We cut to Siminski and Musco. And they're standing there, and they're burying poor dead Rogerson. And while they're doing that, I just sat there looking at it, and I'm like, that really looks like he's shoveling coal on top of it. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really sure why. 
maybe that's all they found that was lying around they could bury him with, but it doesn't well, seem like a good burial kind of material. They're in a swamp. So any that's you true. dig half a foot down and it's just go fill with water and muck and it's all soft earth and that. Yeah. We cut to Eric who's in the swamp. I think he notes that his brother might be missing. Maybe that's what drove him there. But he walks out into the middle of the swamp and he faces the sauna and he like pulls his sword and he's like, bring it on. I've had enough of this. This is a very Brian thing. I've had enough of this monkeying around. Let's just get down to it. And then he, he like almost assaults the water. And he's this point. He's, he's almost repentant. Yes. And he's not repentant in that he's sorry for what he's done. But he's, I'm going to save one person. I'm going to do one good thing. And then he assaults the water again. He's like, bring it on, bring it on. I'm not like my brother. And he stands up. And if you notice when he does, there's no doorway into the sauna anymore. Oh, I didn't notice that. It's closed to him. He can't go in. What I did notice was he throws his sword away. And he always used his sword to break up the reflection to not face what he had done and the sword always protected him and also caused a lot of the problems but now he's throwing it away so i took it like he's facing what he's done he's looking at the reflection and that's a good point i guess he wasn't looking for newt because that night the next scene he's in his cabin with newt whose back is turned to him and he's okay we'll go back and let that girl out i'll sit down with Semensky in the morning I'll sign whatever I need to. I'll sign for you. We'll just turn around and we'll go back and we'll let her out. You have to accept the fact that it might be too late for that. And he's and if that's the case, then my my number's gonna go up to 74. And this whole time, Newt's back is turned to him and he doesn't say anything. Yeah, he's it's just very sitting. And then he notes that. Newt is sitting on Siminski's book of plant specimens. And he's like, is that his collection? And he's like, yes, they're wet. I promised I'd sit on them. And he still doesn't turn around and look at him. And Eric's like, okay, whatever, but we've got to be ready to go tomorrow. Then there's this really cool little shot of the fire, and you see all of Siminski's plants burning up in the fire. If you had any doubt in your mind that that's not really why Newt was sitting on top of a book in this cabin, that's all been washed away. Yeah. Now. The crazy thing to me, though, from all this is Eric is just, okay, well, you better be ready to go in the morning. Pulls a blanket up, rolls over, and goes to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but he's a hardened soldier. So this stuff doesn't have, he's not let it bother him. It's true. And he doesn't. To this point, I don't know that he accepts any kind of supernatural anything going on. You know what I mean? He's used to fighting actual things, and this is something that's not actual. He can't fight it. So based on all that, do you think when Newt saw the girl and said, do you, is that a human standing over there? And he said, I can't see it. It's too far away. Do you think he was lying to himself even maybe? He did see it, but he didn't want to even admit that? maybe it's arguable i think it's one of those kind of things like the guy had an axe and everybody knows the guy didn't have an axe 
but that's the story he tells himself to get through the day. Yeah. And his vision might not have been great. And he might've looked over there and thought, that kind of looks like a girl. And then when Newt asks him about it, he's, Oh no. And I can't see that for it. It's just the story he tells himself. It goes from there to a scene of the, the nurse and she's like blowing a candle out and she's obviously terrified of from there. It goes to the daytime and we see the boy slash girl running down this alley and she like gets into a hut and like locks herself in the hut. and She's like looking through the cracks in the window and you're like, what is what's going on? What's so frightening that's going on? And oblivious to all this going on, you have Siminski and Musco sitting in a hut with Eric as Eric's getting ready to sign these papers. And he's like, look, we've got to turn back, blah, blah, blah. And Siminski's that's fine. We've just fought, decided that Sweden can have this place. And Eric's sitting there puzzled. And Siminski says, I believe the Russian Empire is a bigger place without these lands. That was an interesting line. Yeah especially from a guy who's all about law and order. So Eric goes ahead and signs and he's like, my brother's got the signet ring. I'll have to go back and get it. So he heads off to go get it and he walks out and he, that's when he notices there's nobody left in town. Everyone's gone. Then he gets into the book goes into where his brother was, sees the book his brother was sitting on, opens it up, and page after page is nothing but filth. Until he gets to a page in the back, he flips it over, and there's a patch of skin on there. And that patch of skin is the skin from between Newt's shoulder blades with the birthmark. And And how do you get that off yourself? Right. And if you remember the guy was saying they came here where the monks were and the monks were gone there were just their clothes on the ground when eric walks outside the village people are gone and their clothes are all just lying on the ground when he's looking at that patch of skin he turns it sideways and he says 75 and the birthmark looks like a 75 yeah yeah you know what happened to the monks and the villagers what it really was it was thanos he snapped and boom yeah we cut back to Siminski and Musco. And Siminski's like, uh, look, if he doesn't get back soon, we're just leaving. And then he's reading through Rogerson's notes and he's like, oh, it says here in his notes, Rogerson's just said he didn't get a chance to kill all of us. He's just sorry that he didn't kill us all. It cuts from there to Eric being in the sick house. And he goes through the sick house and there's nobody there. All the blankets are just lying there. This actually happened in the Stargate TV show that uh, oh, yeah? they ascended a whole village. Daniel, when he was with the gods or whatever, he ascended a whole village. So that's what happened here. Yeah. So Miski is in the room with Musco and he's reading the notes that Rogerson left. And it says that he was trying to, he wished he could spare them all before tomorrow. Because something was going to happen on the morrow. And at that point, Siminski's, oh, that means today. Oh, yeah. If he wrote this yesterday, that means today. And suddenly it dawns on Musco, oh, my gosh, that's today. And we don't know why that's important to Musco. But he gets up 
and kills Samitsky, stabs him through the back. Yeah, that was like the weirdest. I was like, okay, now I really don't know what's going on. The only thing I could think of is because Newt was infected and Musco was kind of liking him, that it infected him too. It was starting to, all the people left are getting infected is what it seemed. It actually answers it for you here in a second, kind of. Because the first thing I thought was really interesting is Saminsky turns to look at Musco, who just stabbed him, and Musco stops him. Yeah. Because Saminsky's always been a father figure to him. He doesn't want to make eye contact with him while he's killing him. (laughs) Then he points out that the only thing that's important to him is Newt. He's in love with Newt's the only thing important. And last night, Newt came to him and asked him to give him a present. And so whether or not it was organic that this spread or it was just Newt whispering poison into his ear, Musco has already been infected. Yeah, that that filth contact. Yes, that contact has been made. The filth has been spread. We cut back to Eric, who's walking through one of the places. He finds something that's, he finds a pile of blankets. He pulls it back and it's the girl. And he pulls the girl up and he doesn't hurt her. But in his head, he's formulating a plan, always formulating a plan. He asks her if she's seen his brother, and she says no. She says he's not your brother anymore. And she has blood on, his, on her mouth, not unlike Rogerson. He asks her if she can still speak because she has the blood on her mouth. And that bleeding from the mouth thing is it's a theme, right? Because the like she's bleeding from the mouth. Rogerson was bleeding from the mouth. The guy in the cabin that they burnt down was bleeding from the mouth. The one guy ate um, his tongue. One guy bit off his tongue. And then Newt had communion with a tooth. So the whole bleeding from the mouth thing is kind of a deal. Or they're vampires. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm not saying they're vampires. I'm not saying yeah. that vampires have anything to do with this. Yeah, I didn't However, get that vibe at all. There is not uncommonly that vampiric vibe that shows up in literature. Like at the end of the fall of the house of Usher, the guy's there dead and his sister's attacking him and she has blood on her mouth. It's just this hint about, about there being vampiric elements. The girl says that Newt has taken everyone to the sauna with him. It turns out he did take everyone to the sauna because Musco was still in that other building with the body. The door opens. We don't get to see who comes in. Musco gets all dressed. And that's the last we see of Musco until his last scene at the end. This is where Eric finally comes up with a plan. He's still got to (laughs) save one life. It's going to be the girl. So he goes in. He takes the map. He takes the notes. Bundles it all up. Writes it all down. And he gives it to the girl. He put, like, put all the food you can find in a sack, get everything you need to travel. You're going to leave here and go straight north. You go north until you get to the village. When you get to the village, give this to the, give this to the officials there. <coughs> Once you give this package to the officials there, then I want you to go to my house. I, how does she do that? Who knows? I'm sure there's some record somehow, but he, she's supposed to go to the house, find his wife, and tell her that he loved her 
with the last eyes that saw his eyes. Deliver the look in his eyes. Yeah. Yes. Which I thought, wow, that's crazy. And the girl's like, how am I going to get out? He digs this little hole in the back of the cabin. And then he's like, I will distract everybody. You though, it'd be a whole lot cheaper to just deliver the look in your eyes for Valentine's Day than chocolates and flowers and stuff. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But I delivered the look in my eyes. (laughs) Yeah. The girls, can't you come with me? No, the plan is for me to stay here. This is the only way you can, you'll be able to get out. So he digs the hole and she takes off. He does tell her his last name. So, you know, you have this guy who was on a special commission representing the King of Sweden. I suppose she could probably track down, use that enough information to track him down. He proceeds to remove all of his clothes, walks out into the swamp. And he's the first person I see who actually you can see on his face how cold it is. (laughs) He's like, he's got the wound to his hand. They focused in on that and he walks into the darkness. He's walking through the darkness. He sits down. There's a torch. He says, I can see perfectly in here. And it's that, well, you have transcended beyond living. Your body is no longer hindering you anymore. Right. right. Newt is standing there pouring buckets of water over him. Uh, You never actually get a good look at Newt. You don't get to see his face. You do see like his hands and things like that, but never his face. The girl, on the other hand, is outside. She is running away. She's got this great big bundle with her. Does the bundle remind anybody of anything yet? And it starts to snow. She continues north for a while because, like, it's getting dark and it starts to snow. And then she it's lighter and she's running around and snow is falling everywhere. And she gets to this river. And snow is always seen as, like, a way to blanket over, right? Because everything looks clean with a white sheet of snow on top of it. Right. She's standing there. She's looking at the river. She knows she's supposed to turn and head to the city. She's wondering which direction that might be. Back in the sauna, Newt's, I need to show you something. And Eric's, no, I don't want to see it. And Newt's, there's nothing to fear. It's okay. And we cut back to the girl. She's standing on the rock. And she sees a body lying on the rock and she's walking down to see what's up with that body and as she gets closer the body looks strangely musco without a shirt on lying on this rock and just about the time she realizes that the body gets up and she starts to run when that happens in the sauna the hands grab eric then we cut back to the girl and Musco's face is gone. It is nothing but filth running down. And Newt's hands are on top of Eric's eyes and the filth is just pouring down his body. And so it is that the filth conquers everybody. It takes everybody over. Even the girl, as she dies, she turns and she looks up and like her eyes... It might just be the camera, but her eyes are like all black. Right. She's actually bleeding. She's not covered in filth. She's got blood falling on her. But Musco is there in the void that is his face is pouring the filth down on top of her as she dies. 
and we cut back to that scene from the beginning where the water starts to burn red and there's a package floating down the river. Right. So Eric fails to save anybody. His guilt finally overcomes him in the sauna and the border of Finland had never has been solved. It's always been a mystery ever since. <laughs> and this also is kind of a supernatural questionable because the package they pick up <laughs> is the package they gave her to deliver at the end. So it's this loop thing. So it questions what part of this was real and happened or what part wasn't. At first, I thought that was the case too. Then I thought, no, that scene at the beginning was just showing you the end. And this is what happens at the end, but it's so confusing. You don't know what it is. Now here's the rest of the story. And then here's the end. Of but the they do get the package. Know. So was that the package? They, yeah, it, it, it seemed like a loop there because the package they pick up at the beginning is the package they gave to the girl at the end that gets into the river so that they can pick it up. It's hard to say. Part of me hopes that the people who find the package are the peasants who Eric was just killing, who were chasing them, because then what they end up in their hands with is the thing that was most important to Eric to secure his future and everything. And so they're the ones who get it. And he's never is going to get his wife's not going to be hailed as anything great and his whole efforts were for nothing which but which works if the villagers really existed right or if any of that happened right <laughs> but it is one of those kind of ambiguous endings where the one thing you can agree on is that everybody in the village is no more if they existed or not that's arguable but everybody who was in the village is no more the cartographer and his brother, no more. The Russians are no more. Right. And of all of those, Musco was the one who just willingly accepted it because of his love for Newt. Everyone right. else, like Rogerson, succumbed to like his homesickness. That's what finally drew him in. Zemensky was just betrayed, basically, by one of his own soldiers, which, as an officer, that would be horrible. Um, True. So that closes out sauna and it closes out season three so there goes season three we got a boat couple bonus episodes and we got season four coming up with some interesting looking movies what's the yeah. first one for season four after our bonuses i am gonna i know i'm always like i gotta stop myself but i'm gonna lead with a little story on this one season four starts with the movie baskin and baskin I think might be Turkish. It is like a visual equivalent to martyrs where martyrs screws with your head. Baskin is very visual. Again, I'm going to go out and say it's probably will be the heaviest film we do. It was so popular and obscure, which is a hard thing to do because it was a foreign film. When it came out, I had to wait six months wow. to get my hands on the movie. Wow. And that's not six months to hunt it down. It was like, oh, yes, this movie exists. Well, I want to put it on hold. Six months later, the movie came in. Wow. Now, this was before the days of streaming and everything. This was through the library. It took forever. But it wouldn't surprise me if you have a hard time. No, I think I've got Baskin already for us. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think it's getting out there a little bit more prevalent. 
yeah, it's something else. It is a movie about jobs, and the jobs in this case are police officers. I think I counted up. We have two movies about police and two or three movies about teachers, and then everything else is a smattering of different jobs. Oh, okay. All right, then. We'll get on to Baskin in season four soon. We got the holidays coming up. We're going to take slight little break for the holidays. So we're not only not watching horror movies while it's supposed to be joyous, but we get very busy. Just the guy watching Christmas horror all the Different. <laughs> all right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Take it easy. See ya. You have been listening to Horror Lasagna. To see all of our seasons and listen to all of the movie reviews with all the themes for each season, check out horrorlasagna.com. And if you like the podcast, like the movies and reviews, please give us a like, share with a friend, subscribe to our Facebook page, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, pass it along, let people know, tell us, hey, I liked it. That was a good movie. Thank you. We would appreciate it.